Hello everybody and welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football. We're back with another action-packed podcast as we discuss Arsenal in crisis. What one player should every Premier League club be buying in January? And also a very interesting question. Who's the team to watch in 2024? I've got an interesting opinion on that. Um, and of course, we've got Pratt of the Week. There's a few contenders of that, either ors and our Guess Who quiz at the end of the show. But uh, guess who's joining me today? No, it's not Pamela Anderson. It's Will Brazier. Yeah, very dated 90s female reference there. Uh, you said teams to watch for 2024. Well, my nomination straight out the hat is Tony Mowbray's Birmingham City. Watch out. We're on the prowl. Hello, everybody. Quick time out from our football frenzy. Will, have you picked up on the fresh vibe in our studio? Sure have, Mark. It's our new hydration game changer, Air Up. Absolutely. Air Up isn't just a drink. It's a sensory revolution. We're talking water that's flavoured with aroma alone. Simple yet brilliant. Attach a scent pod, fill with water and you're set. No calories, no fuss. It's like bringing a burst of flavour to your daily routine without any additives. It's fitting we partnered with AirUp considering we have the most refreshing takes around. <laughs> Don't you mean I have the most refreshing takes? We can agree to disagree on that one, but no debate on AirUp making hydration enjoyable and easy. And for our Goldbridge Saves Football listeners, use code GOLDBRIDGE for an awesome 10% off at checkout. But that code's only live for seven days, so don't delay. So what are you waiting for? Head over to airup.com or hit the link in the show notes and get your awesome AirUp bottle today. And remember, it's not magic, it's science, and it's waiting for you. Now back to the show with our refreshing Football Insights. Literally shaking my head if you're only listening on audio, which you are at the moment. Uh, there's the Blues uh, sponsored section there. Two and a half co year contract for Tony Mowbray. It was all looking so good and exciting under Rooney. It's going to be more of the same. <laughs> under More of the same Mowbray. That's what they call him. Uh, anyway, back to more relevant things. Premier League football. Um, I'm really excited, actually. We're going to do this uh, one player everybody should sign in, in, a, in a couple of minutes time. But... Um, one team that's under uh, a bit of pressure at the moment, Arsenal. Uh, it wasn't a Premier League weekend. It was an FA Cup weekend. But boy, oh boy, and girl, oh girl. Um, only boy, oh boy, if you're Joey Barton. Uh, we say girl, oh girl as well. Diversity. Um, Will, Arsenal, they really, really did need, want and desire that win in the FA Cup. And ultimately, it was another failure for them. Uh, are they a club in crisis at the moment? Is this going to change anytime soon? And uh, is Arteta under under pressure? Thanks, Mark. Great questions. Um, crisis? No. I mean, I come from this, as I say, as a, as a fan of a championship club. And when Arsenal are doing so well in the league, they've literally obliterated the Champions League with every task that they've put in, been put in front of them. They are not a club in crisis. They're still a club in transition. So if you're yeah. an Arsenal fan calling for Arteta's head... Have a look in the mirror, give yourself a give your head a wobble and calm down because things are fine. You know, there's going to be bumps in the road along the way. And that was one against Liverpool. Started so strong. We'll come on to it for our January transfers, what Arsenal need. We all know what they need. The Arsenal fans know what they need. And that's a striker. And maybe, I'm not saying that's the final piece in the puzzle, but it's definitely a piece in the puzzle that can help them finish a big jigsaw. Maybe a thousand piecer. Well, also as well, I was looking at um, uh, the age, the average age of Premier League squads. And I think Chelsea are number one, Arsenal number three. And that Chelsea one may be an allusion to something I'm going to talk about a little bit later. And it's not passports. 
But uh, we're going to talk about Arsenal, obviously. And they've got the third youngest squad in the Premier League. And I think that what Arteta has achieved over the time that he's been there is a consistency that Arsenal were craving before. And there are, look, get in your lane and all this stuff. I know there's gobby Arsenal fans out there that, that ruin it for the rest of them who just, you know, think they know it all and gob off because they want Arteta. And the reality is you learn a lot from rival fans. And I look at Arsenal and I think, well, the progression there is there to see. They were a title contender last year, which no one predicted at the start of last season. And they're a title contender this season. That's consistency. They 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 weren't in the Champions League for quite a few years. And you're right, Will. They've 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 cruised through to the knockout stage. Um, they are still in a title race. And I think what they're looking at, and sometimes a player in a team can symbolise a team. The same as Mo Salah, if he drops off, Liverpool might drop off. And I think the fact that Saka just looks unrecognisable in a bad way over the last three or four weeks is a, an indication of the problems that Arsenal face. They're just a little bit tired and one-dimensional. But as a work in progress, there's four players I'd add to that first team straight away, as I've said before. Two fullbacks, midfielder and a striker. Yeah, and also, I think Arsenal were in that sort... They've been in that period before Arteta got where they, they could have dropped off in terms of, like, they could be out of what we consider the top four and the top six. The Premier League's got so much stronger, especially over the last two years, because of Newcastle, Villa in the mix as well. Now, like there's a top six, top seven, um, and and they've navigated that. You you say that there's in that top seven that there's a top three, and Arsenal are definitely part of that. So just to be in those waters, I think that's a like plaudits to Arteta as well, because they could have easily got lost along the way. They haven't, and they're in a perfect position just to, like we said, just to add these pieces, and you know they could be challenging. They were challenging for a Premier League title last year. They did get very close, but there's there was always that sense and feeling, wasn't it, they were going to drop off. But now, within maybe this season, probably next season, we could say going into a start of a season in August, they are Premier League contenders. Here's an interesting question for you. Then rank these. Prime Pamela Anderson, Margot Robbie, I'm only joking. And actually, I was talking about their acting ability before you start start writing in. Um, I was going to say, rank these four in who will last longer. Don't worry, it's not like that. Uh, Arteta, Ten Hag, Eddie Howe, Pochettino. Not who will be sacked first, but rank them as in who's going to last the longest to the least. So number four would be the one who you think is going to get sacked first. Number three would be one who thinks he's going to get sacked second. So how would you rank those for longevity from this point? Number four, I'd go Eddie Howe. Number three, I'd go Eric Ten Hag. Number two, I'd go Pochettino. And number one would be Arteta. You heard it here first. Will says Arteta is going to last a long time. Viagra yeah, FC. Baby. There you go. Uh, I would disagree slightly. I think Eddie Howe will... It's For me, it's between Howe and Ten Hag who goes first. So I would go Howe. But then I contradict myself because I don't think Ten Hag goes next. I think Poch. I think if, if Howe or Ten Hag survive the summer, I think they've got longevity. So I would go Howe, Poch, Ten Hag, Arteta. So again, you know, that's two of us now saying that. All this nonsense about Arteta out... Um, let him let him see the project out. Don't sack a manager who's building a jigsaw and 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 quite a good jigsaw. Give him a striker, give him a couple of fullbacks, um, give him a midfielder. I agree, he's made a massive mistake with Havertz, but hold on a minute. Did I hear you say, Will? 
Did Pep Guardiola not make a couple of mistakes when he was building that Man City side? It's almost as if you can't make a transfer mistake now and you have to be sacked if you get one wrong. Um, hang on a minute. Is that the pass calling? Didn't Sir Alex Ferguson make a few transfer mistakes in there as well? And, yeah. and he was a pretty good manager, wasn't he, Mark? Hang on a minute. I think I've just heard the voice of reason as well. And he's saying, give him time. Give him time. He's proven that he's done a good job in recent years. And um, I suppose the, the only thing I would say before we move on is, um, and, and I would acknowledge this in relation to the competitive nature of the Premier League, it's very reasonable to say Spurs could get top four, Villa could get top four. If Arsenal didn't finish in the top four, would that be sackable for Arteta? I would say not necessarily. It's a competitive league. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what's got to be brought into the equation, hasn't it? It's a, and and even with you look at the time that Poch has been given. I mean, I know you speak about it with the comparison of like the pressure that Ten Hag's under compared to Poch, but I just think that's because of the first season. So it's all relative. And even Ten Hag's almost got this clean slate because of well, it might be a slate that goes away straight away depending on what Ineos do. But it's all you've got to take in all the factors, and it's all relative. Well, we're going to do one player each Premier League club needs to sign in January in a moment. But um, here's one before we do that. Uh, I suppose it sort of feeds in from what we were sort of talking about there. I said at the start of the season, it was on this podcast, it's written into history that Chelsea would be the surprise flop of the season. I was right. Sometimes I am. Mm. Team to watch in 2024. And what, we, what I mean by this is the team that's going to really go up in team 20 in 2024 so Aston Villa would probably be the team from 2024 when you look across it you could say Man City but come on that's boring I think Aston Villa Emery across two seasons really took the momentum of the end of last season into the start of this season so what team is going to be this year's calendar year team to watch I actually think Chelsea will I do I think at some point they've got so many components you know, in the in the in the words of Dareem, things can only get better for Chelsea. And I I ummed and odd with a few other candidates, but because it could get better for Villa, could get better for Spurs. But I think Chelsea have got such a, a void from where they should be that twenty twenty four could be their calendar year. Um well I'm gonna go with one of the teams that you mentioned there. Shock or it's not Aston Villa, but I'm gonna go with Tottenham Hotspur. One obviously because mm. of my big Angela, but I just feel that there's a clear it not I'm not saying they're better because they've got rid of Harry Kane. They're ju- there's just a bit of I don't know, there's a there's a clear focus now. There's a there's a budget to come in to be spent from that. There's a manager whose philosophy's clear and there's sort of no nonsense. Like if he was to be dictated to and said but you need to change that. He'd just be like, I'm out. And and I think that's great. So I think the way that they're projected to go for 2024, get the injuries back, build on... I mean, you think, what, he's had six months to implement what he's been doing. Imagine what it's like, and we've seen it at Celtic, albeit in a different league. Um, I just think that really the sky's the limit with Big Ange. Well, I think we've set ourselves up for the Spotify poll there. Who will be the team of calendar year 2024 And uh, I'm going to go with Chelsea. Will's going to go with Spurs. We will throw in, I think, a couple of others or another. You can get voting on that. And don't forget to get your questions in as well, because we've already spoken about how would you rank who will last the longest out of Arteta, Ten Hag, Poch and Eddie Howe? 
and also Arsenal in crisis. What are your thoughts on that? But it's time for us to move on to one player each Premier League club needs to sign in January. Yes, it's the January transfer window. We're topical. And uh, look, we've got a big, big list in front of us, but I've got to laugh at some of these uh, that Will has written down. I've got a list as well. But for one club, we've got big, tall midfielder. I almost feel like, you know, for, for Brighton, blonde-haired, right-footed stunner. I'm talking about his no, right so, foot, well, by the way. Don't get it. Don't get yeah. right in again. I think there's a lot of people trying to accuse me of stuff today. And let's just say I'm, I'm very football orientated as ever. Leave your letters at the door. Um, no, what I've done is I knew you were going to go from it from, you know, you watch a lot of football, as do I. You probably watch a bit more than me. So you've had a bit more of a, you know, an idea on what maybe teams need from your perspective. But what I didn't want to do was insult the listeners. So what I've done is um, I've gone and spoken to friends, uh, family, people that I've worked with that all support these different teams to be like, everyone's saying what you need, but, but what do you want? So that's exactly. the perspective I've gone from it. And when it uh, says big tall midfielder, it means big tall midfielder. I think I think as well with the January transfer window, there has to be an element of realism to it as well. Some of them might be yeah. uh, pie in the sky, but it's almost what you need uh, uh, as well. And look, I'll be honest with you. Um, when we get to Luton, we'll probably cut it and I don't really care. But um, let's start off with Liverpool. Interestingly, um, I'm looking at your list as well. Um, you've put midfielder to replace Fabinho. I had one name down for Liverpool, um, one player they need to sign in January. I don't know whether Liverpool actually will or or actually need to. Um, I don't know what their, their requirements are, but I completely agree with the name on your list, Will. It is uh, Pelina at Fulham. I think he is primed for Liverpool. I don't know whether Liverpool will move for him, but I think if you add him to what you've already got in there, oh my God, is that a selection in the midfield? Um, I just don't know whether Liverpool have the appetite, money or desire to do it. But I think Palina will be a fantastic signing for wherever he goes. Very impressed with him. Obviously, he's now Premier League proven as well. There was talk of Bayern Munich in the summer, but I think he would be an, an immaculate signing for Liverpool. Well, yeah, and the stats back it up. Me and you are statophiles and, and we can prove that because the numbers don't lie. But I think the big thing for me is sort of an intangible of like, you mentioned that Bayern Munich move. He was, I think he flew to Munich or he was about to fly. The deal got sort of scuppered on the very last minute of transfer deadline day and sit and you go, oh, he's coming back to Fulham. You know, his attitude ain't going to be great. He's had an absolutely fantastic season for them, committed himself. Mm -hmm. So that's another tick in the box. Um, yeah, they've not praised Fabinho really. Like Endo's done well, but that's maybe not the sort of the long-term vision. One of the other shouts from a Liverpool fan for a, a long-term sort of backup was uh, Leeds wonder kid, Archie Gray. If you play FM, you know about him. Uh, but he's more that sort of young, long-term bum. But Paulina, that's the one we both agreed on. Yep. Uh, Aston Villa, you put down a right-back, uh, Frimpong, uh, who's obviously playing in the Bundesliga. I've gone with uh, Jonathan David, who is a Canadian striker in the French League. Um, I think that they need an Ollie Watkins alternative. And I really like the idea of Jonathan David or a Jonathan David type, i.e. a striker that's sort of been mentioned for the last couple of years that could play in the Premier League. And I think that's what Villa need. They don't need a boat sinker. And what I mean by that is they don't need a big time Charlie coming in, stamping his feet. Oh, there's a hole in the boat and we're sinking. They need someone who's going to come in and go, you know what, I'm happy to be here. I want to work hard and prove what I'm about. A little bit like Diaby has. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I personally think Villa 
need a striker to share the load and back up Ollie Watkins, who's been fantastic this season. Jonathan, David, can you trust a man with two first names? Now, I spoke to my friend, uh, Zach, who is what they call a forum lurker. So he won't join the forums, but he'll just he's had multiple warnings for sort of he's just lurking in the forums. He's a stalker, yeah. Um, he said, need right back to provide cover and competition for cash. He put Frimpong, as we mentioned. But then he also went on to say, because their backup striker at the moment is Duran, um, so they need competition for that. So unless you're speaking to him as well or you're lurking in the forums, we're very much on the same page there. Yeah, st- stalker on the forums and according to his ex-missus, uh, legally a stalker as well. Keep your distance, Zach. <laughs> um, Man City. Um, well, uh, to be honest, I wrote down for Manchester City, uh, I put a left back uh, and I just randomly just chose anybody because that's what Man City pretty much can do. Uh, there's a good left back at PSG I like called Mendes. So I just said him. They're not linked to him at all. Um, you've put creative midfielder because obviously they were after Paqueta and I think that's probably more relevant. But I do think Man City need a left back. Um, I was looking at, uh, I was doing team of the season um, on the fill-in uh, the other day and they had Vardy L as a, as a contender for left back. And I was looking at his stats he hasn't even got a crossing accuracy because he doesn't go forward and put crosses in. So I just thought Man City, for such an attacking team, they actually need a left back. And I know Can- Cancelo went because of falling out with Pep, but uh, I think they need a left back. But logically, you're probably right. They were looking at Paqueta, weren't they? And uh, he is a creative midfielder. Yeah, and I th- I, you know, they, they still score for fun. But I think that Nunes signing was probably off the back of not getting Paqueta. And I think, I don't know what the sort of, Everything's going on with the, with the betting stuff, but I think that's clearing up a little bit, so maybe they'll go back in for him. But when it comes to City and defence, you just can't... I mean, I understand it a bit more with the inverted full-backs and they go to a three and a two in front, but maybe left-back, they don't even need one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we move on to Arsenal. Uh, one player they need to sign easy. in January. Uh, easy this. I would buy a foreign goalkeeper just to send uh, the British press into even more uh, of a meltdown when Ramsdale's <laughs> now third choice. But no, seriously, um, find the money for Ivan Tony. I think we're both in agreement with that. They need a striker. They need somebody who can convert chances. And uh, Tony obviously has proven that in the two seasons he had at Brentford that he can score goals at the highest level. And Arsenal are crying out for it. The best striker you can get is what Arsenal need. Yeah, it's just, if, yeah, it, like you said, if they spend the money, they can get it. And I, I feel like they're in the position to make that move, I think. But Ivan Tony's come out today, as we record on Monday, and said he wants to commit to Brentford for the next six months because of the love and support that they've shown him hit, They've shown him through the last, through the betting ban. So, I mean, do they just wait and do the move in the summer? But if they could do it now, I think, do you yeah, think it needs do to you be think done. You do, I've heard this nonsense before, and not only in football, you know, I've heard men and women say to their partners, you know, we've been together for a long time. I want to make it work. And then they go on a night out. They get a better offer. And it's like, you know, I've got to, I've got, I've got to go. I've had a better offer. And I, I think that if, if Anthony and Brentford had a decent offer, I think all this loyalty and love would disintegrate into how much. And both parties would part ways with a very, very, very good divorce settlement. So maybe it's just the fact that Nobody's got the money to go for Tony in January, so let's wait till the summer. 
Yeah, I, I do think he'll stay just because like he's literally come out publicly and said it. And also, they've had such a long time in the run-up to him coming back to football. Like They'll know the movers and shakers going into this January transfer window. So I, I feel like it's pretty much nailed on that he'll stay. Uh, Tottenham, one player they need to sign in the January transfer window. Well, they've already bought Timo Werner in, which I think is a very clever bit of business. Sort of January signing you should make, really. Cheap. Has played in the Premier League before. If he flops, you send him back. If he does well, you've got him on the cheap. They've had a very good uh, success rate of signings recently. Vicario in the summer. Um, obviously, Madison. Uh, a couple of years ago, was it now? Kulisevsky and Bentanka came in. Loan to buys. So I think that's intelligent. But they certainly need a centre-back. I know they were linked to that Romanian guy from Genoa. Um, I know they were inquiring about Tadebo at Nice. Uh, you've put down another name, uh, Tosin Adarabio. I think I've pronounced yep. that completely wrong. No, I was, I was chatting to a Spurs mate. He was like, I'd like to get um, Tadebo, but he just doesn't think Spurs will spend the money. So that's why I put Tosin in there because it yeah. feels like a bit more of a realistic approach for that back four. And... You don't want to get numbers in for numbers' sake, but just because of the injuries they've had on that back line, you want someone who's, you know, you can bring with you. Well, it's incredible, really. Spurs are one point off Arsenal, so their point, you know, therefore they're not far off the title race. They've had all those injuries and they've managed to stay in the race. Um, for Spurs, it is about being intelligent and, and just bringing in as many players as they can that will, um, you know, prevent an injury crisis killing them, really. Um West Ham, well done, West Ham, for being in this high, by the way. And uh, I like, matter, I, I, I don't know about West Ham because I don't really respect them um, in the same way that I respect the traditional top clubs. And therefore, I don't know much about them uh, like I do the top clubs. I'm an elitist. I can't help it. But respect to West Ham. Um, for me, I, I had Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay. I think those two players would really suit West Ham. And um, I think they would be good signings and they were looking at them in the summer. But you've got a player that I think would be, it'd be a shame for him to leave Wolves, who may end up finishing higher than West Ham. There's a question for you. Huang Hee Chan. I think he's, he'd be a very good West Ham player. He's a very direct, very good on the counter. That's the way West Ham play. Um, I don't know whether they're looking at him. Yeah, well, I think this was one of them things where, you know, we could go through the transfer rumours and just give you the names that would come off the off the sheets. But it's like, speak to a fan, see what they want. Uh, this West Ham fan in particular saying, Antonio, not good enough. Ings, terrible. Uh, mm. They've got the the young lad there who, who's still young and not Prem proven yet. So to get a sort of proven Premier League goal scorer that you could, you know, doesn't, f you know, with Ings, there's just so much money probably tied up in the contract. Antonio is great, but yeah, because of his age. So Wangi Chan was the shout. Also another one from Wolves. Don't want to raid them too much, but... Uh, sort of at the back that they need some numbers so a shout was Max Kilman as well yep fair shout now Brighton are next who do they need in January uh, I had one name here and um, they were Go linked on. to him before Connor Gallagher interesting yeah interesting. I like uh, Chelsea are looking to move him on Brighton are a team that I think need a little bit more in the midfield and I think Connor Gallagher it amazes me that Chelsea want to get rid of him and um, Brighton and Chelsea do have good relationships. I, I think if I was Brighton, he might be a little bit out of their price range for what Chelsea are looking at. But I think he'd be a, I think he'd be a very good player for Brighton. And uh, there's obviously Spurs were looking at him as well. So uh, watch out for Conor Gallagher. But uh, yeah, I think for Brighton, they're a hard team to predict Brighton because they just go and buy somebody you've never heard of who gets sold for £100 million next week. But 
I think Conor Gallagher's an interesting one. Um, Manchester United, my club, I just put depression, uh, really, because I don't know that we've got any money. We're talking about the January window here. So, I mean, I actually had Bruno Gomeris. I don't know why I wrote that down, because that's just never, ever, ever going to happen. But I think United need that type of a player. But I think I was in the midst of my sadness there. Realistically, we haven't got any money. We've been linked to Tadebo. He plays for Nice. So Jim Radcliffe owns him. So I just put that. But I don't think it's going to happen. And you're never going to get me going, yeah, we need Mallon on loan. I refuse to do it. So I've gone with the signing and I'll go with Tadebo because it's the only realistic option that we won't get. I was just thinking then, maybe I should do the Paul Scholes approach. Remember, he was like, it was clear for United summer transfer activity this summer. Go out and get the two players that you can get. Harry Kane and Declan Rice. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal that you can even think that. Uh, I think from United, I, I haven't put anyone down here. I've, I put defender. Obviously, Tadebo makes sense for all the reasons that you've put. But I just almost think you just need six months of getting rid of the garbage and, and maybe mm-hmm. not even some of the, the shit that's in there, but just be like, right, these are the players I'm committing to. These are the players we're getting rid of. And when we get to the summer, it'll be a fresh approach. Maybe like look at a loan again. I know Chupo Moting's been approached as a as a loan as a sort of squad player but you're out of Europe so mm. I mean the schedule's not going to be too intense so let's just focus on what we've got and maybe let's coach some players and make them better yeah maybe 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 let's just get that feel-good factor back at Manchester United yeah, yeah. come on United let's do come it on, um anyway yeah it's not it's not yeah it's not inspiring even as a United fan to think what we could do in January uh, from one United to another Newcastle uh, very good season probably struggling I think Trippier again like we mentioned Saka Trippier probably uh, signifies what Newcastle's problems are exhaustion I still think when they get their players out they're still a very good team but they're just fatigued had injury problems yeah um, I think the one player that Newcastle should go for in January as I've said it a few times um, I know he's done okay, the Pravka, but he's not a top goalkeeper. I'd go and get David De Gea on a short-term loan and kickstart your season with a goalkeeper that knows what it's all about. Uh, I still think Newcastle, a bit like Manchester United, no European football, out the Carabao Cup. It's a similar story for them. They've got to try and get up the league and try and win the FA Cup. Um, I th- therefore, I don't think they'll have the same problems in the second half of the season with fatigue and injury. So I would go and get a goalkeeper that you can rely on and then trust in the players that have done so well for them in the past. I put down defender just because I think when Botman was out and then, but Eddie Howe is very good. We we mentioned coaching and Manchester United. Eddie Howe is very good at sort of bringing players up to another level that you maybe have written off. But the the first time I actually had him on my sheet was for Tadebo was for Newcastle United because I think you could get him for a good price and then maybe take him on to that next level where, you know, he wouldn't sign now for a City and Arsenal or Liverpool, but maybe at New... Well, maybe he could go up with Newcastle and go through the gears. Uh, Chelsea, we've got big, tall midfielder and uh, you've put yep. Amadou Anana of, of Everton. I, do they need another midfielder at Chelsea? Well, I think they were actually linked with him. To, I, I wrote this... I spoke to my mate who's a Chelsea fan and then I went online and they had actually been linked with him. Uh, he said, need a big, tall left back. That should be another one prior. So very descriptive in what he wants and needs. Dan Burn, big, tall left back. Yeah. He just likes big, tall people, doesn't he? I'd love to a meet big, his tall girlfriend. midfielder. <laughs> Height is key, so we can stop playing centre-backs at full-back. Um, but he said the main one from him, with all the sort of incomings, is 
but the main one is to stop the board from selling Conor Gallagher because I think all the fans at Chelsea love him and can't understand why he keeps getting touted for moves away. I'm stunned because I, I watch quite a bit of Chelsea, uh, as I'm sure many people listening do, because uh, they're fans of football and that's what this podcast is all about. We love football. Um, if I was Chelsea, I would go and find 125 million and you know hit that release clause on Osman and bring in a striker. I I, I really oh, do think... Can you imagine? I just think if Chelsea had a striker, they'd go, boom. They can't score goals. It's a huge problem. And you can be a mediocre team. I mean, look at Bournemouth. Um, look at Brentford. They're not the best teams in the world, but they've got strikers that can score goals at this level. And, and Chelsea have got a good team, but they can't score goals. I, I, it's the most... Ob- I can't believe they've spent a billion pounds in 12 months and not bought a striker. So... Ivan Tony, Osman, a lone striker, whatever. Go and get a striker and watch Chelsea fly in 2024. Yeah, I mean, now we get on to what I would say is a delicate issue because what we call this is the bottom half of the table. Yeah, can we... we um, st- I'm, I'm, were- I'm, I'm, it's the Goldbridge Saves Football Podcast. Can I save myself from this depression of whizzing through Wolves, Bournemouth, Fulham, Crystal Palace? Let's just do... Let's just do a selection of what they need because, God, I've looked at the list here and uh, this is going to be... <laughs> you know when you look at the analytics of a podcast and you see, why did it drop off there? Because we went into the bottom half of the table. I mean, with all due respect, from Chelsea down, at least at least those lot could get into Europe, etc. Maybe Wolves, but I don't know what Wolves, Bournemouth, Fulham, Crystal Palace, Forest, Brentford, Everton, Luton and Burnley want or need. And do I really care? Well, I think the main thing is let's focus that on a sort of top half perspective of Bournemouth need to keep Dominic Solanke. Yeah. If you are Crystal Palace, try and keep hold of Elise. Um, there's probably some other... Um, Brentford, keep Tony. So I think from that perspective, if those clubs in the lower half can keep their star players and probably demand more of a premium when it comes to the summer, that's that's what you can look at. And those are the positives. And, you know, I've got a 20-minute presentation on why Danny Ings might benefit Burnley, but I'm happy to park it what? and send you the code for it. No, I think Burnley and Danny Ings is a very intelligent move, actually. Um, I'm just looking at some of your other stuff here. Hannibal Mabry to Everton. I think that would be a good move for them. Uh, Forrest do need a goalkeeper when you look at the mistakes that Matt Turner's made and you think about the goalie they had last year. Kyla Neves was was massive for them. Um, Fulham, another striker would be a good idea, but it's hard in the striker market, isn't it? Um, and yeah, yeah, I think uh, with Luton and Sheffield United, anybody. Any, anybody's welcome. Any, anybody can come in and help us. But uh, yeah, um, I enjoyed that though. Some some good uh, some good mix in there. And uh, I think the big thing for me is that um, I don't know about you, Will. I've been saying it for a while. This transfer window. I like the fact that Spurs have operated early. Get get you know, it's a risk not to do something, and it's brave to do something because it could be for a Villa, Arsenal, Spurs, Brighton. Chelsea it could be the difference between two or three places in the league and it could be the difference between Champions League it could be the difference between a title and I suppose that's something that Liverpool might look at as as well um but there's talk that Arsenal and Arteta after the loss to Liverpool were saying you know we've got to have confidence in the players that we've got that's absolutely fine if he knows he's not spending any money but everybody knows Arsenal do need a striker now if he hasn't got the money he can't do anything about it but you know I don't think Arsenal fans or Man United fans or Chelsea fans should sit there and go, well, we're happy with what we've got. They've all got glaring holes. It's just whether they've got anything to fill it. 
That's what she said. Yeah, and I think on a Spurs perspective, it ties into what I was talking about with Big Ange as well, because now he's in there, he's operating, it's clear, you know, there's literal just holes to put in of like, right, I need that, that, I need a, a pressing forward, say, right, Timo Werner. So they've just gone out and got it straight away and, and fixed that. And I think as a fan, that gives you so much more confidence of like, you know, it's exciting when you team. I remember we had, when we had Harry Redknapp in 2017, 18, and we signed like 10 players on deadline day. I mean, some of them turned out to be absolute whoppers. I think the majority did. It's exciting, but I'd rather it be the other way of like, we're bringing him in because he's good value and he fits our system. End of. Yeah, and uh, we've said this before, the January transfer window, Man United try and ignore it and say, oh, you can't get any value. Well, you can. Liverpool got Van Dyke, so you definitely can. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, as uh, Ronan Keaton says, um, you say it best when you say nothing at all. I think what he really meant is uh, you do the January transfer window better when you sign nothing at all instead of crap. And- yeah. And also, Mark, the January transfer is, you know, you could say life's like a roller coaster as well, couldn't you? Yeah, you could. Uh, he had some uh, Just got a ride some goods. And also, if you get it wrong, then tomorrow never comes. Did he do that one, sorry? He, he covered it. Most of his songs are covers. Um, it's like yeah, gold well, Every day, I, I love you. Good. Yeah, I don't want to know that one. T- uh, anyway, time let's move time. On. That wasn't him. That was someone else. I said here it was. Songs time for my mother in 2009. Cindy Lauper. Yeah, he covered it with his beautiful dulcet. He'd cover Irish anything, tones. he would. Yeah, right, move on. Um, horse people will think I mean something else there because apparently when a horse mates, it's called covering. Is it? What, like yeah. that's shagging? Yeah. I'm not saying the right, I'm, I'm, go, I meant then. from a song perspective for Ronan Keating, but uh, anyway. So just to be clear, you're saying Ronan Keating doesn't shag horses. But we'll, we'll, we'll be clipping that out. Bloody hell. Anyway, um, let's go That's to fine. either roars. We've got no yes. music for that. Um, but um, I'm just looking at what we've got here. I can't believe ah, I can't believe this is even one. This is recency bias. Incredible. Uh, we've got Saka or Louis Diaz. Seriously, yeah, Will? That was written. Yeah, well, that's in there. Just have a little debate about it. Which, what, who would you rather have going forward? That would be a very little debate because it's Saka every day of the week. It's just recency <laughs> bias. I like Louis Diaz, but come on. Saka has been incredible for Arsenal um, over the last few years. He's going through a bad patch. There's no doubt about that. He doesn't look anything like his normal self. Um, is that pressure? Is that fatigue? Is it being overplayed? Well, I think if you speak to an Arsenal fan, they'll say that one criticism of Arteta is he does overplay Saka. And I think that's coming back to roost now. But when he's on it, he's on it. And uh, I like Louis Diaz, but Saka for me is uh, is, is very, very clear there. Well, because it was an FA Cup weekend and sort of those narratives sometimes, you know, don't define themselves very clearly. I sort of went into uh, the the pile of fantastic, fantastic suggestions from our audience. So Daniel Lee uh, says, episode three of Asking Mark, start, bench, drop, Virgil van Dijk, Saliba or Ruben Diaz? Easy, easy. Ruben Diaz, get your coat. You're being sold. Saliba, take a rest. Your time will come on the bench and starting... Van Dyke. He is an absolute colossus this season. Absolutely nearly bet back to his best. And and what a what a story that is, considering he's not getting any younger and he had a very, very serious injury. But uh 
I knew Van Dyke was still a good player after his knee injury, but this season, I don't know how he's managed to do it, but he is absolutely back where he, virtually back where he was before that injury. And yeah, Van Dyke starts, Saliba bench, and Ruben Diaz, I think, is overrated. Is that overrated because of his injury record or surely that's got to be it? I just don't think he's as good as people think he is. I think he's a, I think he's a decent centre-back, but I think John Stones is better than Ruben Diaz. Look, he's, he's a good centre-back, but I don't think he's... I just think it's, a, it's the lazy choice. You know, at the end of the season when you get all the pundits doing their team of the season and the amount of team, people that will yeah. put Ruben Diaz in at the end of the season and you just go, come on, he's not, he's not in the top three or four centre-backs this season. He's just not. A bit like you putting Andy Robertson left back in your team, isn't it, from last week? Uh, yeah, I, I don't regret that um, because I've had this argument before. Uh, Adogi hasn't even got a percentage for crosses this season because he can't cross his legs. He can't cross. Dracula loves him. So uh, yeah, a fullback who can't cross, come on. Don't have a go on Adogi just because of your Robertson pick. Um, let's have a look at the next one. An interesting one from James came... Uh, he said, who will have the bigger impact returning from injury, De Bruyne for City or, and, and it is a combination, so don't worry, Martinez and Casemiro for Manchester United? Hmm. I would love to say Martinez and Casemiro because I think they are big players for Manchester United to come back, but you're putting two players into an underperforming, disillusioned side and you're putting De Bruyne into a team that could go and win a treble again. So uh, red tinted glasses aside and in the draw... Uh, I think that Kevin De Bruyne, for the quality of player that he is, walking into the quality of the team that Man City are, I suspect Man City are going to do what they do in the second half of the season every year and just motor um, with De Bruyne being that fuel in the engine. Uh, hopefully I'll see an improvement of Man United with Martinez and Casemiro, but you're talking about one of the biggest uh, catalysts in Premier League football over the last decade, De Bruyne. It has to be De Bruyne. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree on that as well because with Marte, Martinez and Casemiro, I still, you know, they, they have been very good for Manchester United, but I still don't fully know what you're going to get every single week with them, with those guys. And De Bruyne is a, a clear standout. Um, De Bruyne, De Bruyne is... A, sorry. De Bruyne no, is the fire starter. Yeah, nice. Looking very nice as well. Looking very lean. New haircut as well. So that's a no when you're going to mean business. Um, mm. Now, I know you're a huge fan of the NFL. Uh, the league curtailed yesterday. It's going into the playoffs. But it got me thinking, just as a bit of fun one, you know, we're 37 minutes into the show now, so don't panic too much. Uh, if they're here now, they're here to the end. Um, the league stays as the Premier League or we get a NFL-style league, but that finishes with playoffs. So like, say, the top eight go into a playoff knockout tournament and that determines the Premier League winner. Nonsense. Absolute Nonsense. No, no. It works well in the NFL because I think the, the the format for the Super Bowl and they've been doing it for years. But the Premier League, I think I think they do it in uh, one of the European leagues, whether it's the Swiss or the Danish league. They do it uh, up in Scotland. They split the league as well. Yeah, I uh, playoffs though. I don't. I wouldn't like this. So basically, you'd have the top eight finish in the top eight, and then they play a mini tournament to see who wins the league. No. Uh, keep it as it is. But on the playoffs, who do you think is going to win it? Are the Bills in the playoffs? Yeah, the Bills got in last night. Um, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, Mark, so I'll so always be back in them. We've got... Uh... Are you? Yeah, I've always been a Cowboys fan. Not massive, Since into when? it. 
since I was about eight. My parents went to Florida and oh. came back with that. Well, when they the come whole... back with a Miami top. I don't know. They hate dolphins. Yeah, I think you need to have them. They hate dolphins. Yeah, they used to drink. <laughs> they used to eat loads and loads of cans of tuna. <laughs> they actually looked for the can where it didn't have the approval on it. They wanted the. They wanted yeah. the real good stuff. Uh, so yeah, they got the um, Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys are in it. I think I don't really know. The, I mean, the number one seeds were San Francisco and Baltimore on the other side. So, well, let's back the Cowboys then. I didn't know that. You know, I've known you for nearly a year now, and that's new information. That as long as Mahomes doesn't win it again, I'll be happy. Yeah, I don't. I think they got in, didn't they? In the end, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Kansas, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so let's guess go what? for the Cowboys. This is not an NFL podcast. Let's do. Pratt of the Week. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. Yes, it's that time again where we declare a Pratt from the week. Uh, I've got a few nominations. Mine are written down. Um, I could go in at length on some of these Pratts, but do you want to start? Yeah, I have got uh, some, and I think the biggest one to tackle is probably Joey Barton. Now, I will put a disclaimer here and say that he's got a podcast. He's doing it on purpose. I mean, Gary Neville is a bit naive because Gary could have had a back and forth with me last summer and done himself some, you know, we could have had some really good content and he didn't dare do it. But he gets involved with Barton, who is clearly doing this, sat at home going, what can I get away with to cause controversy to kickstart my career? Um this one was to do with the FA Cup. I believe the Tottenham-Burnley game, they had, and correct me if I'm wrong, Will, I presume Laura Woods was presenting and they had two female uh, pundits uh, to talk about the game. I didn't watch it. So, you know, and there's a, there's a lesson in yourself. But uh, Joey Barton didn't like this. He's obviously been going on for quite a while about this, uh, uh, you know, belief that I've played the game and males should be talking about men's football. Um, of course, he's entitled to his opinion. But it's prattish to compare them to serial killers. It's ridiculous. And um, it's ba- it's bordering on just scripted bad comedy. Mrs. Brown's boys. But even they wouldn't go this far. This far. Um, look, if you don't like... I've, we've said it before. His opinion is a terrible opinion with probably some element of debate in it. And... If you turn on the TV at half time between Spurs and Burnley, and you don't like listening to a couple of women talk to you about football, then, you know, turn it off. You don't need to start being offensive about it on TV because some people might enjoy it. And, uh, it's just, you know, we live in this society, Will, don't we? Not, it's not cancelable to not like to listen to a female commentating on football. And it's not cancelable to turn the radio off because Gabby Bonglehor is on the radio. It just means you don't like that sort of thing. And uh, that's absolutely fine. But the, I think it's prattish to just keep highlighting it because it's sexist at the end of the day. And uh, that's not good. It's, in fact, very bad. But he's doing it for a reason. And everybody who's arguing with him is is falling into the trap, in my opinion. Yeah, and that is the most, you know, there's the separate issue of what he's saying. But then there's another issue of, like, we need to educate ourselves with, learning what these people want as in we're just giving him the oxygen that he needs to sort of of putting these arguments out there so it's just don't draw yourself into it I think the thing that Gary Neville was trying to do but maybe like got himself lured into was like yes show support for your colleagues 
show support for these people that are being affected by it you don't need to drag yourself then into a debate and an argument with him because that's what he wants Oh, 100%. And I, I begrudgingly, we're talking about it again. But, you know, the Pratt actually yeah. is probably everybody who gives him any airtime because that's what he wants. I mean, at the end of the day, when Gary Neville replies, he's probably got the biggest smile on his face at home because he's like, yes, this is going to get me a huge amount of interaction now. And that, that's all it is. He's got a podcast coming out. He's going to say silly things because he's trying to build his profile. Um, and, you know, nobody, nobody is that stupid and ignorant. Um, and I certainly don't think Joey Barton is. I think he's just doing it with a big fishing rod, dipping it in and watching the outrage. Um, but he has got to be a Pratt of the Week contender. Yeah. Um, but well, I'm not going to give it to I'm not going to yeah. give it to him because I think there's a bigger... I, 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 I think we've got other contenders. What what have you got, Will? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been making a note just called Pratt and writing things down that make me feel annoyed as I go along across the week. So one of the ones that caught my eye, I think it was a couple of days ago, Jordan Henderson wants to come back to uh, European football, I think at least, maybe even mm. English football. He's had enough of playing in Saudi Arabia. Now, we started this podcast, I think it was maybe the second or third episode where he declared that he was going to Saudi Arabia for three reasons and none of them were money. It was all about the project. Well, if playing in front of 800 fans is your cup of tea, being down in the relegation zone in the Saudi Pro League is your cup of tea, you've got your tea and you've drank it. Now he wants to come back to European football. I think there were some German clubs involved. I think there's a whole lot of, I don't know if it's illegal or financial sort of things that he's got to get out of, whether they're different constraints. But this was obviously going to happen and it's happened so quick how did he not know how was he not advised the guy's mature enough to know this and it's just happening right before our eyes no i agree i think it's uh that the, you know it's there'd be no sympathy for him and he went there for the money and he, he he is open to ridicule for it he is he is definitely a prat of the week contender with that um and i'm sure a lot of people would agree with it as well. Um, you've got down here, Premier League managers asking for FA Cup replays to be scrapped. I don't think that's prattish. I think it's intelligent. I don't... Uh, it's not you know intelligent what? at all, Mark. Come on. it's This is just money-making for the smaller clubs. This is the... But yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. But I'm, I'm a hypocrite if I call the managers out for this because... I'm tired this year of seeing the amount of injuries dilute the quality of the Premier League. If I was driving back from Leamington today and I heard some manager of some club saying, stop moaning, get on with it. You've got the resources to get on with it. And I thought, hold on a minute. Let's not make it about robbing the rich to feed the poor. This is about the dilution of the quality of elite football in this league. And there is absolutely no justification for replays of a tournament that most teams don't take seriously, just so a few small clubs can raise a bit of money from replays of games that people don't want to see. I am completely with the Premier League on this. It's more exciting when you get a result at the end of a game. Uh, take it to penalties straight away. We don't need another 90 minutes of another bloody replay. Um, you know, with a consumer and it should go, it shouldn't be about the money. Yeah, but this if you're signing up for the FA Cup, you know what you're getting into. It's not like we've just started the FA Cup this year and then you get into the third round and like, there's replays? What's going on? This is fundamentally part of the FA Cup where those smaller teams can get to the third round and literally change the course of their history going forward. Now, 
I do get if you're a Nottingham Forest playing another Premier League team, if you're a Brentford playing another Premier League team, I think there maybe should be caveats where if there's two Premier League teams and they're both like, we're playing weaker teams, surely they should be allowed to pre-match, if they both agree, be like, this will go straight to penalties. But if, say, Man United draw uh, a Maidstone United, I think they could draw each other in the next round if Man United get through tonight, is obviously Maidstone are going to want the replay and Man United will understand that and then it's their prerogative to sort of just push them away and win easily. I think that's one caveat. Another one I'd like to get your thoughts on is if you get to the FA Cup third round and it's seeded because Arsenal-Liverpool actually was quite decent yesterday but a lot of the times there's so many sort of underwhelming sides that get put out in the FA Cup and if there's a sort of seeded bit where, you know, if you're a, a, a really low elite team, getting a Premier League team, that's the draw you want anyway, because you know you ain't going to really crack on any further. So let's sort of manufacture those ties a little bit more. Yeah, maybe. But I just think that when you look at the FA Cup this weekend, the the the, the best game I watched was Sunderland-Newcastle, even though it wasn't a great game. No VAR in it. And another advert of change isn't always for the better. Um so look, but I think I think change should always be listened to. And I think that FA Cup replays, it's a, look, it's not just the FA Cup. We've got a Carabao Cup semi-final uh, first leg this week. Why have we got two legs in the Carabao Cup semi-final? It's ridiculous that you've got to play over two legs. And again, we probably haven't got rid of it because the sponsor doesn't want to, because there's a bit of financial stuff there. Uh, there are some clever ways to improve the 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 strain on our modern player and I wouldn't normally be backing them because they earn very good money but I think there's so many injuries now you've got to look at and we're adding so much time on because of VAR as well um I think that uh, common sense needs to prevail here anything else well that uh, well I've no, got one got down me. about Birmingham it's one about Birmingham City just because since the Rooney sacking last week there's been some absolutely horrendous articles as a, a Birmingham City fan podcast run by a guy called Mark Watson. He spoke about it. And the thing as Blues fans right now, but it ties into a wider issue. You'll know this predominantly as a Manchester United fan and having to deal with it on a daily basis is there's so much shit written about us now for like, one of the articles was saying like, if I was Tony Mowbray and if I was Gary Rower, I should, you should never attract those managers. You shouldn't sign for them because the club are doing this, that and other. And they're all just utter garbage because Wayne Rooney's been in. They're either friends with him, friends, friends with X person, and they want to keep that relationship good. And the other reason as well is the stories that we've had previously have literally not been touted about. Like we had an owner who to this day, we still don't know if he's a real person probably. Like the, that's a the mysterious owner. I mean, that's a Netflix documentary waiting to happen over the, st- the sort of time scale of four years and just doesn't get mentioned about. So that's winding me up, but I've had, that's my time allotted for Birmingham City. And for me, it's probably Jordan Henderson who's Pratt of the Week. Yep, I'm happy with that. Jordan Henderson, you are Pratt of the Week. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. Oh, there's one I've missed out, but I can bring that into the next episode because, uh, you know, we've had a good... We've had a good bit of fun. We had a little bit of discourse there. Um, everyone getting involved in the Spotify comments as well. The poll was up from last Friday. Obviously, my team won, but that was a bit predictable. But you do like, sort of like to put those words in and try and get the fans on your side. But my team did win. Um, big shout. I randomly appeared in the running order, actually. A lad called Tom Redburn says, uh, Radburn says, shout out to Will for actually saving football. The Wrexham Shrewsbury derby is a doozy. Um 
and it was a doozy, let me tell you, Mark. Wrexham scoring in the 72nd minute to win away at Shrewsbury, and I don't think Shrewsbury will be the same again. I, I tell you what, if you if you ask if you if you this is this is this is how much I I like the FA Cup, and I tell you what, we did mention that teams needed to go stronger in the FA Cup, and in the main, I had a look at a lot of Premier League clubs, and a lot of them did go quite strong. Everton played. Who did Everton play? Was it Palace or something like that? Or no? Yeah. Brentford. Yeah, it was Palace on the Thursday, wasn't it, with a Calvert Lewin? That's a that's a Pratt we've missed out. Yeah, there was. Um, well, I had VAR down for Pratt of the week as well. Um, incredible, incredible slow. I mean, it's, it's almost like they don't listen, isn't it? You know, stop sending people off yeah. for slow mos. And what do they do? Slow mo. Yeah, ridiculous. But um, a lot of teams did sort of go strong. Even the Arsenal Liverpool game, I'd say both teams probably had seven or eight first team players playing. So. Credit to them for that, but I'll, I'll be honest. If you you could go through about fifteen pro, uh, FA Cup games at the weekend and say what was the score, and I'd say I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no, but big shout out if we're, if we're carrying on that line as well. Maidstone United through to the the next round. Eastleigh got a, a replay. Um, there's definitely some teams we're missing out, so we've got to shout those out because that's what keeps the FA Cup alive and keeps the devils away, like Mark Goldbridge that says no replays, no money for small clubs. Yeah, I just, uh, I just don't want. Uh, you could see it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want any replays, but uh, I've had my point on that. Uh, it's time for guess who? I think it's time. For, get see what I did there. It's time for guess who? I think uh, it is time for guess who? Where we have uh, five guesses to and five clues to guess the footballer that we're each thinking about. So basically, if you get it right on the first, a bit like a penalty shootout. If you get it right on the first guess, you get five. If you get it right on the second guess, you get four. Right on the third guess, you get three. Fourth guess, you yeah. get two. And the final guess, you get one. He's not happy, Will. I've had a few people DM me because you, you say that a lot, but it's nothing like a penalty shootout. No, but it but you, you could get five. Yeah, okay. And you have five regard, penalties. Like you have penalty five shootout. penalties. So if I get, <laughs> I could get five and you could get three and I've won the shootout 5-3. <laughs> Okay, yeah, spot on. Sorry. Well, it's called Guess Who, and uh, what's the scores? Because I'm, I think I'm winning, aren't I? On the weeks, five four. I've got it down us five four. Uh, so you get you if you win the week, you get a point. Uh, I think we drew last week, didn't we? Did no, we I drew won. last. I thought I won last week. No, I, I, won. I, I think I won. All right, I'll go back and I've got it down as five four. Oh, it might be some cheating no, going on. Sorry, no, you did win. Sorry, because you got it in two, didn't you? Yeah. So that's 6-4, is Yeah, it? so it's 6-3. Six, 6-3? Three, six, three. Six, three? You're getting battered, yeah, yeah. mate. You're getting battered, mate. Right, okay. Do you want, to go, do you want me to go first or you? you? You you are the leader. You are the victor. You are my boss, so you can choose. Okay, I will go. I will let you. I will, I will read yours first then. Okay, so clue okay. number one. You could get, I'm not going to say anything about how quick you could get it because that always panics you. Uh, clue number one. I've got uh, 33 caps for England. I'm 30 years of age and I'm still playing in the Premier League. 33 caps, 30 years of age. Mm. Playing in the Premier League. I'm going to go Harry Maguire, 30. No. He is. I think he is 30, but it's not Harry Maguire. Uh, clue okay. number two. Um, I won the FA Cup twice with Chelsea. 
I also won the Europa League with Chelsea, coming on as a substitute for Kovacic late on against Arsenal, who we beat 4-1 in the final. So I've got 33 caps for England. I'm 30 years of age. Um, I'm still playing in the Premier League. I won the FA Cup twice with Chelsea and I came on as a substitute for Kovacic in our 4-1 win in the Europa League against Arsenal, which I think was probably 2019 or something like that. Still playing in the Premier League. English. Because I was thinking Loftus-Cheek, but he's gone away. See, this should be... Eng- so someone who's still playing, in, but not for Chelsea. No, he doesn't play for Chelsea now. And he's 30. And he's English. And he was at Chelsea. And he's gone away. And he's still in the Premier League. Oh, God. I'm in panic mode now. Oh, God. It's just hit. I can't think. Uh, I'll go just to keep the speed of the podcast going to make sure the retention's there. I'll go for... I can't even think of him. Danny Drinkwater. Good guess. It isn't him. Um, If you've got this at home, you've done very, very well. Um, I left Chelsea to join Nice, but I am now back in the Premier League. Ah, Ross Barkley. It's Ross Barkley, gets it on clue three. There you go. Uh, next ah. one would have been uh, starting my career at Everton and final clue would have been I'm currently at Luton. Yeah, nice. So I scored three then. So you yeah. need to match that. So you get a draw. It's a bit like a penalty shootout. Um, right, clue number one. Managers I've played under include Chris Hewton, Terry Venables and Kevin Nolan. Well, Chris Hewton, I would imagine, well, I know he managed Newcastle and Brighton and Forest, maybe. Uh, Terry Venables, I presume, might be, I don't know, you never know with Venables, I can't remember after England, really. Uh, Kevin Nolan. Yeah. I can't think who he managed. Um I will say Chris Hewton, uh, Terry Venables. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. Brighton, Newcastle. Nobby Solano. Incorrect. Um, Actually, met Nobby Solano the other week. Didn't have his trumpet. And you can make of that what you will. I played 61 times for Manchester United, scoring seven goals. What? Venables, Hewton and <laughs> Kevin Nolan and he played 61 times for Manchester United. Um, Scoring seven goals. Well, I was going to say Nicky Butt because he played for Newcastle and may have played for Venables, but he played more games than 61. Oh, Chris Hewton. Newcastle. Manchester United, 61 games. Chris Hewton. God. Um. Oh. Go on. Obertan. 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 Incorrect. 
bollocks. I was an England international making 19 appearances and scoring one goal. England international? Manchester 19 United. 19 appearances, one goal, 61 times for United, scoring seven times. Uh, has had managers, Chris Hewton. I tell you, he's had Chris Hewton at Newcastle and he had, I'll give you another clue, he had Terry Venables at Leeds and he had Kevin Nolan at Notts County. Oh, you've just given me the answer there, mate. I'd have been struggling. Gone. You've got it. You've get. Go you, you've, I've got. I know it 100 percent because, funnily enough, my uh, nephew has a picture of him in a Notts County top. Uh, he came to his local awards evening. Uh, it's Alan Smith because he played for Leeds Newcastle. Yes. Oh, I tell you what, you got me out of jail there, mate. Yeah, are you struggling? Uh, next clue was I started as a striker, then transitioned into a midfielder. Career path is Leeds, Man United, Newcastle, MK Dons, Notts County. Oh, yeah, I'd have got that on the last one. Yeah, good. And a draw then. A draw. So it stays 6-3. If I am wrong, please immediately let me know in the Spotify comments. I've lost track of time, space, and I don't know where I am. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. Really enjoyed that show. Uh, loads to pick into there. I'm sure we'll get a few clips out as well. Uh, don't forget to leave your comments in the Spotify chat and the poll as well. Loads for you to, to discuss there. Hopefully you've taken notes. And uh, remember, we're back on Friday previewing the Premier League and we'll have Goldbridge results as well. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much, Mark. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. And on that bombshell, good night. Good night.